today I want to talk about the altar of worship. The altar of worship. You know, worship is much more than singing. So many times when we talk about worship, the first thing that comes to our mind is the part of the service where we sing three or four songs and then we move on. But how many knows that worship is much more than 15 minutes on Sunday morning? Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your what? Your spiritual worship. It is what we are expected to do. The, the King James uh, Version translated this way, your reasonable service. And so we could say this, that worship is everything. Everything that I do is worship. How I guide my family, how I treat my wife, that's worship. How I treat the waitress in a few minutes when I go to a restaurant after church, did you know that that's worship? How I work Monday through Friday is worship. Everything about my life is an act of worship. And the altar of worship that we're gonna talk about today is when we live our life as a living sacrifice before God, holy and pleasing to him. And today, I wanna walk us through an episode in the life of Abraham where he builds an altar of worship that I believe was one of the greatest acts of worship ever recorded. And it takes place in Genesis chapter 22. And we all know, most of us probably know the, the background of the story that Abraham and Sarah, they have prayed and they have believed God for a son. And at the age, uh, ripe old age in their 90s, Sarah becomes pregnant and God gives them Isaac. And then the Lord comes back to Abraham. In Genesis 22, verse one, it says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And here's what I wanna show us. The first point today is this, is that worship is a test. Worship is a test. God came to Abraham, and it says this. It says that God tested Abraham. God tested him. Worship is a test of our relationship with God. I'm not just talking again, I'm not talking about the right hand motions on Sunday morning. I'm talking about how we live our life. The altar of worship tests whether our relationship with God is real or superficial. When God approaches us and he says, I want that thing I promised you, I want that back. That is when we are tested and we see whether we are a true worshiper or a false worshiper, and a central part of our worship to God is giving. Do you know that, that giving is a test? Why? Because it's a part of our worship. When we came forward, whether you marched or we, you put it on the black buckets, uh, black boxes in the back, or you gave online, that's a test. Why? Because when God tests us, we have to give something back to him. That's why, you know, giving isn't me giving towards God. It's more returning. I'm returning what he gave me. 
I'm returning what wasn't mine in the first place. And how many today can testify that it's a pleasure to return to God what is his? It's a test. And I want you to see this, that, that worship is rooted in relationship. It says that God said to Abraham, and Abraham heard the voice of God, and he said, yes, Lord, here am I. You know why so many people never truly worship? is because they never hear the uh, voice of God in the first place. If you're going to be a true worshiper, and Jesus said in John chapter four that the Father is seeking, what, worshipers, true worshipers. I don't know about you, but I wanna be a, a true worshiper. And if you're gonna be a true worshiper, you've gotta hear the voice of God. You've gotta hear that uh, and feel that nudge when he says, I want you to give this. I want you to surrender this. I want you to return this. Worship is rooted in relationship. You cannot be a true worshiper of God and not have a relationship with God. What does it mean to have a relationship with God? I hear him, I talk to him, I communicate with him. I don't just have an empty form of religion, but I have a relationship with Jesus. And when I have a relationship with Jesus, he's gonna talk with me, he's gonna walk with me, and he's gonna say, I want you to surrender that. I want you to give that back. I want you to go with me, and I wanna show you some things. Does anybody want that type of relationship with God? How many's tired of empty religion? And then verse two, he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Next thing I want to tell us today is this, is that worship is a journey. Worship is a journey. God saves us the way we are, but he doesn't leave us that way. You know why? Because he loves us too much. There's some things he wants to show us. There's some things he wants to do for us. And so, like Abraham, he says, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, and I want you to go somewhere else. You know, Abraham's life is a faith journey. And I can just imagine that he and Sarah, they have this promised child, Isaac, and maybe he sat down in the lazy boy, and he said, from here on out, I'm gonna enjoy the golden years and I'm going to take it easy. But God approached him and he said, no, 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 Abraham, I've got one more journey for you. Abraham, he left his homeland for uh, Canaan, where, a land where God said, I've got some things to show you, Abraham. I've got some things for you that eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard. And God did miracle after miracle for Abraham. And then the last season of his life, God says, Abraham, I have one more journey for you. And I, I want to just encourage you today, and I just wanna warn you today, faith is about taking journeys with God. You won't stay still very long. He's gonna take you from one season to the next. He's gonna take you from one experience to the next. Why? Because he's got things to show you in each and every one of those experiences. And worship is about following and journeying with God. Abraham's encounters with God, all of the 
Encounters that he had with God involved journeys. Worship will make you leave what's comfortable and it will take you to some strange places, some unfamiliar places. But how many knows if you're gonna be a true worshiper, you've gotta move. You've gotta learn to go when God says go. You've gotta learn to follow when it's easier to stay put. And you've gotta learn to surrender some things even when it's uncomfortable. And Abraham's journey to go worship with his son Isaac, this is a turning point in his relationship with God. This was a pivotal experience that will define his whole life. And I, I just wanna encourage all of us today, even if you've been here for a long time, even if you've been serving God for a long time, don't be afraid to take one more journey because it could define your whole life. It could change everything. Don't be afraid to move one more time. Don't be afraid to step out in faith one more time because God's got blessing on the journey. Aren't you glad that we don't serve a static, boring God, but we serve a God who has journeys. He's got adventures for us. He's got new experiences for us, but we have to follow and we have to say, yes, Lord. Does, does anybody want to live an exciting, faith-filled life with Jesus? Is anybody tired of being where you've always been? Well, you gotta step out. You gotta be willing to be like the eight-year-old little girl I just baptized who said, Lord, I wanna go on a journey with you, and so I'm gonna step into the waters of baptism. I'm gonna step out from where I'm at, and I'm gonna go somewhere else. And I wanna ask you this question. When's the last time you went on a journey with God? When's the last time you said, Lord, I, I wanna step out and I wanna do something different. I wanna step out and I wanna do something that's challenged me and it's gonna be a challenge that I've never faced before in my life. And I wanna tell you, if you do that, God's gonna reward you. Why? Because you cannot top a journey with God. Right. Then verse three, it says this. And so Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and he took two of his young men with him and Isaac. Here's what I want to tell us. The highest form of worship is obedience. The highest form of worship is obedience. What did Jesus say? I'm, the Father is seeking people that will worship in spirit and in truth. What, what is truth? Truth is obedience. It's doing what God has called us to do all other acts of obedience or I'm sorry all other acts of worship are worthless without obedience I can lift up my hands and I can uh, yell praises to God sing praises to God I can do all of the right exterior things but if there's something in my heart that's not being obedient to what God has already told me I am not a true worshiper and I want you to, to see here Abraham he rose early in the morning. He didn't procrastinate. He didn't say, well, I need to sit down with Sarah and talk this out. I need to pray about this more. You know, you don't need to pray more when God's clearly spoken. And here's what I found. Sometimes me saying I need to pray more is just a procrastination technique. Come on, has anybody used that? Don't use that in marriage, by the way. Don't say I'll pray about it. It's, just, it's better to be 
obedient. Amen. I'm, I'm gonna, uh, we talked about this recently, but delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. It said that Abraham rose early in the morning. Abraham has reached a point in his life where he's realized that it pays to obey God. It benefits to obey God. That it is beneficial to him to be obedient. And what if each of us had that heart? I think we just all need to pray, God, give me a heart that wants to obey immediately. God, give me a heart that, like Abraham, rises early in the morning and says, I'm going to do this now. I'm not going to think about it. Well, you know, one thing, if he would have conferenced with Sarah, how many knows that Isaac was her sweet little baby boy? And she probably would have talked him out of it, as any good mom would. <laughs> think about it. By the way, can you think about all the family counseling this family had to have by the time this whole incident was over? Poor Isaac in his 20s finally realizes what happens and he said, I need to talk through some things about my childhood. Yeah. Abraham, I want you to see this. The word that God gave him was for him. And sometimes we need to go to a pastor, we need to go to a friend and we need to say, should I do this? And then there's other times where God has clearly spoken to us and we don't need to consult with anybody, we just need to do it. We need to be obedient. And Abraham obeys immediately. And it says this, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. A true worship experience will involve preparation. He obeyed God immediately, and then he went to the specific place which God had told him, which by the way, that's a part of obedience too. Obeying specifically, going specifically where God tells us to go. And the journey to Mount Moriah was a three-day journey. And when they arrived at the foot of Mount Moriah, the scriptures tells us that Abraham stopped and he did some things. He prepared for the altar that he was about to build. He chopped some wood. He uh, prepared the materials that he needed. But, and here's what I want us to show us, that he has two servants with him and he has Isaac. But he does not ask them to chop the wood for him. He chops the wood, he prepares the altar himself. And I wanna tell us today that, that you have to prepare an altar of worship in your heart yourself. You cannot delegate it. You cannot outsource it. Your pastor cannot prepare an altar of worship for you. You have to chop the wood yourself, Abraham. You have to prepare the altar yourself. The altar of worship that Abraham would place Isaac upon would need this cut wood. The, the video that we've been showing every week, that's, that's a proper depiction of what an altar looked like. There was some chopped wood, there was some stone, and, and Abraham would have to prepare this altar of worship himself. And worship requires responsibility. How many of us, it's my responsibility to build an altar of worship in my heart. 
It's my responsibility to obey God. I can't expect other people to obey God for me. I can't ex expect other people to sacrifice for me. You've got to step out, and you've got to step out in faith. You've got to fast. Come on. You've got to pray. Well, well, Grandma and Grandpa were great prayer warriors. I, I, that's great, but can you pray? Can you fast? Can you sacrifice? Can you pray? You've got to, look at your neighbor and say, you've got to chop some wood. You, you, you're, you can't delegate this to your servants. You, you've got to get in the game yourself. And I want to just encourage some people today. We, we've maybe relied on a few prayers of saints before us too much. We've, re, uh, we've relied on the fasting of people that's gone before us too much. We need a generation that says, I'll chop my own wood. I'll pray my own prayers. I'm going to build my own altar of worship in this house. I'm going to build my own altar of worship. I'm not going to come in on Sunday morning and expect somebody else to shout for me. I'm not going to come in on Sunday morning and expect somebody else to lift their hands for me. I came with my own sacrifice. I came with my own praise. I wish I had some believers that stand on your feet right now and say, I've chopped my own wood this week. I've, I've prepared my own altar. I'm not waiting on so-and-so to run and shout. I'm going to come with a sacrifice of praise. Come on, somebody praise him. Somebody prepare an altar in your heart right now. Thank you, Jesus. You, you see, we've, we've got to prepare an altar. You ever come in here? I know I have. And after church, you say, I just couldn't feel God today. Uh, you know what? I, 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 I just, I didn't experience worship like I wanted to. Well, maybe you didn't prepare accordingly. Maybe you, the other six days of the week, did whatever you wanted to do. And then you wanted to just come in here and press the worship button and experience God. How many of us, it doesn't work that way. We've got to enter into his presence with fear and trembling. We've, we've got to offer something to him. And, and we've got to come humbly before the Lord. Why? Because we serve a holy God. Now, I want, I want to ask us, what, what did you do to prepare yourself this week? Now, I'm so thankful. We, we've got a great worship team that they prepare an atmosphere for us. We've, we've got a prayer team that every pew is prayed for. Uh, before people walk in uh, on Sunday mornings. Why? Because it's an attitude of preparation. I've got to prepare before I enter into the king's presence. And so Abraham says, even though I have these two servants with me, even I have these friends around me, even though I've got a praying grandma, she's not going to chop my wood for me. I'm going to chop my own wood for this. Oh, come on, somebody. That's a good point. Praise God. Our value of him is measured by what we are willing to give to him and prepare for him. What value have you placed on preparation for the presence of God? When it comes to worship, you get what you prepare for. Should I say that again? I'm going to say it again. When it comes to worship, you get what you prepare for. If you come in with low expectations, you're going to get what you prepare for. Cain and Abel... What was the, the, 
appears that the sin of Cain is he wasn't prepared. He gave something of low quality. He got something back of low quality. But I want to come in with my best worship of my heart, my soul, my mind, and strength, everything within me to give praise to God. Come on, can we do that again? Let's praise him one more time. And verse five says this, then, then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and what? Worship, and come again to you. Worship requires separation. Abraham looked to these servants. He said, you guys stay here. I've got to go to a place with my son that you can't go. You know why? Because they hadn't heard the word that God had given him. And again, if they were reasonable, rational people, they probably would have tried to stop Abraham from what he was about to do. And there are times in our life where we've got to separate ourselves if we're going to be true worshipers. There are some things that God has told us. There are some things that God has imparted to us that other people, they're not bad people. I'm sure these servants weren't bad people. They were probably great servants, but they just didn't understand what was about to happen. And there are some people in your life, they're good people, they're not necessarily bad people, but when God starts to speak to you, when God says, I want you to surrender this, I want you to change that. I want you to do this. They're not going to understand, and they're going to try to talk you out of it. Anybody ever experienced that? Anybody ever tried to do something great for God, and, and maybe some quote-unquote good people who just weren't quote-unquote spiritual people discourage you and say, why would you do that? Why would you change that? Why would you give that? You're going to start tithing? Why would you do that? There's people that they're not going to understand it, so you've got to separate yourself. Why? Because their voice is going to discourage you. Their comments are going to distract you. And Abraham, he knew that I've got to stay focused, and these are good guys, but they can't go where I'm going. There's some people on your journey, on your worship journey with God, you're going to have to leave them behind. There's some relationships that are going to have to change. Why? Because God's spoken to me, and you're not going to understand. You know, I think of Mary. The angel came to her and gave her the most important message in the history of the world. Mary, you're highly favored by God. You're going to give birth to the Son of God, and his name is going to be Jesus. And can you imagine if she would have told other people of that, can you imagine if she would have told her friends that? They would have looked at her like she was crazy, and they may have talked her out of what she heard from God. But I want you to see, if you remember the story, what, what's the first thing that Mary does? She goes to her cousin Elizabeth. Why? Because the same voice had come to her, and the same miracle had come to her, because she was going to give birth to John the Baptist. And so you've got to separate yourself and you've got to go with people that have heard the same word you have. You've got to go with people that have heard the same voice you have. That's why it's so important to come to church and surround yourself with people that have heard the same calling you have. People that are making the same sacrifice and living the same lifestyle that you have. 
The word of God says what? Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, 2 Corinthians 6, 17. You've gotta separate yourself from people who aren't gonna build an altar of worship and they're not gonna understand it. And so Abraham goes with Isaac and they alone go to this mountain. And it says in verse six, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so both of them went together. Those three things, the wood, the fire, and the knife all involve pain. The wood would be lit on fire to burn the sacrifice and it represents the fire of the Holy Spirit that purifies and would bring a pure sacrifice. The knife was how the sacrifice would be killed. The blood of the sacrifice would be poured out. And how many of that, that represents the blood of Jesus Christ? Somebody thank God for the blood today. And so they went, both of them together, and verse seven says, and Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Man, how do you answer that question? And Abraham said, I want to show you, this is one of the best, greatest faith-filled statements in the Bible. God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And when they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. The altar of worship will involve at some point pain and sacrifice. If you're going to live your life as a living sacrifice before God, it's going to involve pain and sacrifice. And we can all say amen right now. We can all uh, do all the stuff to say you're preaching good, Pastor. But it's a whole lot different when real life happens. And when God says, I want that house. I want that relationship. I want that job. I want whatever it is that you cherish. In that moment, there's pain involved. And, and just a disclaimer, I'm not trying to gloss over. I'm talking about real pain. Uh, you, you cannot imagine the pain that was in Abraham's heart. Can, can we just think about it for a second? This child that he had prayed for his entire life, God says, okay, I want that back. And he goes as far to lay him on this altar of worship. And he has raised up his hand with the knife, and he's ready to do the unthinkable. And can you imagine the grief that's in his heart and, and the anxiety that's in his heart because he is about to do something that will redefine the rest of his life and would be the greatest act of sacrifice that he could possibly do. And I want to ask you today, what is it in your life if God said, I want that? Would you put it on the altar of worship? This was the greatest thing. We know that Abraham was a wealthy man. 
But the greatest thing he had was his son. Why? Because he had prayed for it. He had done so much for this son. His reputation, the next generation of all the promises of God were resting on Isaac. But the book of Hebrews tells us that Abraham had so much faith that he believed that God could resurrect Isaac from the dead even if he did kill him. You see, the one that had wonderfully blessed Abraham with wealth, old age, and a son from the woman that he loved was now asking for that thing back. And Abraham knew that just as the Lord had promised Isaac to him, the Lord would somehow create new life if he sacrificed him. I want to ask you today, what is it that would be off limits in your life? See, I, I think that this still happens in all kinds of situations in our life. Sometimes God comes to us, and he says, that job that you love, that I gave you, I want it back now. And I want you to go over here for less money for a journey I have to show you. Sometimes it comes in the form of literal death where we have to give back the people we love and we place them on the altar of worship and we say, God, they're yours now. We're returning them to you. Why? Because we trust you. And like Abraham, we believe in the power of the resurrection. Sometimes it looks like, God, I'm giving my kids to you. God, I've done everything I can. I don't know what else to do. I'm laying them on the altar of worship, Lord, and they are yours. Sometimes it looks like God wants us to give a significant financial offering. And we say, God, I trust you. Lord, I know you spoke to me. And Lord, I'm being obedient and I'm laying this money on the altar of worship. Sometimes it looks like careers where God says, no, no, I want you to go somewhere different and there's not going to be the security you have right now. There's not going to be the finances that you have right now. But go with me on a worship journey and put that career on the altar. There's all kinds of things that we can lay on the altar of worship. But here's what I want to tell us today. It's always worth it. Because when we lay it on the altar of worship, we lay it on faith that God sees me, God knows me, and on the other side of this sacrifice, there's something greater, and God is going to do, and God's going to bless whatever I do. And worship to him. The mental and emotional pain that Abraham was going through in this moment had to be beyond comprehension. And what I want to tell us today is that true worship isn't just when we run and shout and dance and shout and dance and holler and wave our hands and all that stuff. That's great. That's necessary. But true worship is when we say, God, here's all of me. Here's the thing I love the most. You can have it. It's yours. Why? Because that is the greatest act of worship I can give you. It's to give you what I value the most and give it back to you. We reached a point in our journey with George where one day we both had to do that. We had to say, Lord, he's yours. We give it back. As the greatest act of worship that we can do, it's yours. It's all his. 
The clothes we have, it's all yours. The house we have, it's yours. Lord, you gave it to us, we give it back. Lord, anything that I have, the cars, the vast wealth that I have, I know, guys, I have vast wealth you don't know about. Lord, it's yours. Anything that I have, my talent, it's yours. It's not the world's, it's not mine, it's yours. And I want us to see what happens. In verse 11 it says, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. God says, now I know that you are a true worshiper. Now I know it's not just empty words and it's not just some facade that you portray on Sundays. Now I know that you are a true worshiper because you have given me everything and the most precious thing that you can have. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and look and behold, before him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Right as Abraham was getting ready to do the unthinkable, God spoke to him and he said, now I know you're a true worshiper. And God provided something better than Isaac. See, I, I just want to encourage you today, whatever you place on that altar... God's got something better for you. You think that house is great, God's got something better. You think that job you sacrificed, God's got something better. Maybe, young person, you put a relationship on the altar and said, God, I, I, I really, in my heart, I love that person, but I know that it, it's not gonna work out, and so I'm, I'm putting that relationship on the altar. God's got a better relationship. God's got a, God always gives us something better than what we put on the altar of sacrifice as our musicians would come. I wanna encourage somebody today, don't be afraid and don't be intimidated to put whatever God is calling you to put on the altar of sacrifice, the altar of worship, because you'll look back at that place like Abraham looked back on that place. And you're gonna say, that's where God provided. When I stepped out in faith, that's where God provided like he's never provided before. And I can go back to our journey with George and our story with George. When we put him on the altar of worship and we said, God, he's yours. There was a, a, a moment in that journey where I had peace that passes understanding because I know God will provide in the end. God will provide something greater. God will do something greater if I let him write the story. And here's what's awesome about this story. Scholars tell us Mount Moriah, where Abraham built this altar, is the very place where God would ultimately provide for us a lamb. And it, that is where Calvary was. Where Jesus stepped in and became the ultimate sacrifice you and I and provided his blood 
perfect sacrifice so that we can come before him with clean hands and a pure heart. And when I think about Calvary, there's no sacrifice that's too great. Why? Because my God gave his all. He gave his son. He gave his own blood for you and for I. And so today, whatever it is that you're thinking, God, that's too much, I want to tell you it's not too much in comparison to Calvary. So if we could all stand right now. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, today is the day to come to the altar of worship. You see, God doesn't need your money. Do you know that? He asks us to give, but he asks us to give for us. He doesn't need our tithe. He doesn't need our offerings. He doesn't need anything that we sacrifice for him. We need to experience him. He gives that as a gift so we can experience his presence. And I want to tell you, the greatest gift that you can give God is to give yourself. Somebody today, you need to lay yourself on the altar of worship. And you need to say, God, I've been doing things my way for too long. I've been living life my way for too long. I'm going to give myself, place myself on the altar of worship. Maybe some of us, you've been coming to church for a long time, but you've never fully surrendered. I want to just encourage you, fully surrender to God. Why? Because he will provide. He'll provide a life for you that's so much greater. Can anybody testify today? Does anybody testify that any time that you've laid something in the altar of worship, Jesus always stepped in and always provided something greater. So we're going to sing one more song today. If you want to be baptized today, come. See me, we'll baptize you today. That's one of the ways that we surrender. That's one of the ways we lay ourselves in the altar of worship. If you need to repent today, if there's some sin in your life, I wanna invite you to come to this altar and lay it on the altar of worship and say, God, I love this sin. Come on, is anybody honest enough to say that sometimes sin looks better than Jesus? And sometimes it's easier to stay in that sin but I'm, I'm challenging somebody today to say, Lord, I'm choosing to love you more than my sin. And I'm laying that sin on the altar of worship and saying, God, I want you more than my sin today. I want you more than my lust. I want you more than my selfishness. So I wonder if we could just lift up our hands all over this place right now. It's a sign of surrender. Say, God, it's all yours. I want to invite us. Let's fill this altar right now.